Hello and welcome to the latest Science of Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Stefan Jones. So Stefan is a world leading fast bowling coach for cricket where he currently consults for the Rajasthan Royals in the IPL. He also has a unique athletic background himself, being the last person as a dual professional sportsman in the United Kingdom. That means he played professional rugby and professional cricket at the same time. He also has a unique take on movement, looking at how you can use physical training to enhance technical skills. So without further ado, it's time to welcome Stefan onto the show. So Stefan, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Yeah, finally here. It's uh, taken a few months to, to get me in one place, but uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. I've been badgering you for ages, but uh, thank you very much for taking the time for joining us. I really appreciate right, it. It's a pleasure. Pleasure, my pleasure. Um, can you give us a quick introduction as to who you are and what you've been up to until now? Yeah, well, um, I've got greys in my beard, I know that. So <laughs> I, I've been, I played for uh, 20 years professional cricket. Uh, I played professional rugby as well. Uh, so I was the last person to do two sports. Uh, I retired 2010 uh, and I came out of the game. So cricket, this is, uh, I chose cricket because it had six months off season. And that is genuinely one of the reasons, <laughs> the main reasons. So I could go uh, go to Bondi and the beach and stuff. Um, and then I became director of sport at a private school in Somerset Um and also building my own business, building my coaching knowledge, uh, trial and error. Uh, at um, And here I am. I've, I've finished uh, director sport and I'm going full time now into uh, coaching. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to get the first consultancy gig. I was Rajasthan Royals in the IPL. So I've signed a three year contract with the Royals, uh, which is incredible. I look look after the fast bowling programs. Uh, I do it jointly with uh, Lasith Malinga. He does the tactics. I do everything else, um, and I'm in, enjoying life and looking forward to uh, the future. See see what it brings. See I put whatever I've learned in the last ten years in content into uh, into practice, and yeah, I can't wait. Absolutely excellent, mate. So this uh, it's an exciting future, but also a, a really interesting past as well with uh, with the two different sports. Um, can you give us a, a little take on your thoughts on training generally, coordinative movements, and how that that developed in your own journey through sport? Because I know initially you were you were big into to getting stronger, and then that didn't necessarily translate to to some of your bowling. So can you take us through that story a little bit? Yeah, good question, man. Um, so uh, when I started, uh, so. In, in Wales, uh, rugby and cricket. So it was seasons. They said you couldn't do uh, weight training. It gets you too bulky uh, for bowling. So I was I was a wiry, really fast rugby player. Very, you know, I was the first to wear white boots and all that. So I loved <laughs> That's brave. On a Welsh rugby pitch, yeah. that's brave. <laughs> when I played professional rugby for Bristol, there was some forwards that didn't like it. <laughs> um, but I did used to take quick learning out to my own try learning. But I was dead entertained. But but I relied on others. Uh, whereas cricket, it's just me, and I control it. And that's why, uh, as long along with the being at the beach most of the time, it, it, that was one of the reasons I chose um, chose cricket. Uh, but then I thought, right, I was actually embarrassed into lifting weights. Uh, Two thousand uh, when I was eighteen, bench press fitness test, no relevance whatsoever. We know, uh, but I did eighty kilogram three rep max, and my 
person was going for the Wales under 21s, um, same position, fullback, did 110. So I thought, okay, I need to do something here. And initially, when I was in Cambridge University, I hit the gym hard and my pace went, uh, went up massively in bowling. And I thought, okay, but me being me, you know, I'm all in. You know, then I, then I went down that rabbit hole of putting chains on a deadlift, you know, bench pressing 150 kilograms, deadlifting 200. And then it got to a point where actually I, I, I didn't bowl faster. Uh, and then I went down the route of sprinting, running, SAQ, ladder work, uh, and weighted ball bowling, weighted implement. And that's why uh, I endorse it massively. It's a huge part of my program. People are afraid of it because they're worried about timing and that sort of stuff. But they forget that the amount of reps you do with a weighted implement compared to normal is just doesn't compare. So it's never going to impact on it. Uh, and then I've ended up with a program that uh, combines everything. There's no one size fits all. You know, and that's that's a big thing. You know, I've gone down the dynamic systems theory rabbit hole, Franz Bosch, um, and, and I and I believe in it. I I I do a lot of it, but uh, it's just a part. It's just another tool uh, in my toolbox that I bring out if it's needed for that particular bowler. If that particular bowler needs to improve his deadlift for mass specific force, never a straight bar, a trap bar. Uh, then I'll do that. But if that person already can deadlift 2.5 body weight or whatever, then I'm not going to waste my time because you're on the ground for back foot contact. If fast bowling is 0.10, front foot is 0.7. So it's only at the front foot, actually, that it's about sort of rate of force development. At the back, it's more rate, rate of force transmission, so tendon, muscle. So you can't actually train both legs the same way. And that's where it goes into the bondage classification system. Um, yeah, I could talk all day about particular training methods. I think um, I would love to hear it, but uh, maybe it's for another day in terms of the, the <laughs> yeah. time we've got, because uh, I think I personally love to go into Bondachuk and how you start to apply that. But um, for those who uh, potentially find that less interesting, then maybe it's a good idea to uh, to keep it a little <laughs> bit uh, a little bit less specific. But when when you look at your own training, then you initially tried to to do all the strength stuff, and you went on to to the more specific end. Um, yeah. What kind of results did you then start to see? Because I imagine for most people in most sports, getting stronger, loads of results, brilliant, plateau, and then, oh, shit, what do I do now? But that That's, uh, and I'm sure that the listeners would, if they follow me, would would know that I put speed first. So uh, go to that speed well first. You know, drink the well dry before you even think about loading it and adding strength to it. Get fast first. That's a big thing. And I, I put videos on my daughters and lots of jumping, lots of sprinting. And funny enough, they're pretty good at sport, you know, and it's built on athletic development, movement, speed, fast twitch, all, all of that stuff, coordination. Um, but I didn't, I did that uh, naturally without thinking. I didn't plan that because I didn't have the knowledge. So I just did sport, 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 skills, sprinting. I used to love running. I love my 400s. Not anymore. I know not to do them. <laughs> but, but, um, and then I added strength. 
So I was fast, you know, 10, 900 meters. And then when I was 21, 22, I had a strength. That gave me a little bit. So that pushed me up. So that that well was dry. Okay, where do I go next? Okay, I'm going specific. Uh, so I had three sort of steps, really, whereas my fear now with youngsters, they go to that strength well straight away. So where do you go if you can deadlift three times your body weight? Where do you go then? You know, firstly, you're probably not going to be very good at sport because you've wasted all that time getting stronger for for a lift that, you know, yeah, mass-specific force, but it's not really going to help you run faster past 20, 30 metres. So I'd say, you know, run, jump and throw until you're about 16, then go to gym. I didn't hit the gym till I was 18, 19, and that was pretty low-key. When I get to 22, then it got specific when I was in in the gym with these angry, angry uh, rugby boys. And I was there with my, uh, with my mullet. I was, I had a mullet in 1990s, man. This fact, no, I know, but it was era appropriate, mate. It was era oh, appropriate. <laughs> I, I reckon it's 20 years. So I was walking around, uh, Exeter town center, city center last week. And the fashion is what I had early two thousands. So, I ran this twenty-year cycle and everything, training and everything. But but it is Exeter. Let's be honest as well. Yeah, I mean, I know, yeah. I'm I'm from, I'm from that neck of the woods as well. And like, yeah, we could, some some yeah, some of those guys are still living twenty, thirty years ago. If you like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, back to training before we start absolutely destroying Devon and all its beauty. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of looking at throwing speed specifically, right? Um, what are the key considerations that you have when it when it comes to throwing the ball as quickly as possible? Technique underpins everything. So the first thing I would do is groove uh, a pattern that's uh, specific and relevant to that uh, to that bowler. Uh, I'm slowly going into uh, baseball and pitching as well, and I've done some stuff with badging, uh with javelin. So it's it has to be uh, relevant to that individual. There's no point trying to get them into a position or do something they they physically structurally anthropometrically can't do it so it's got to be specific to them and that's where the individualism and the idiosyncratic positions uh, come into into throwing and bowling but then in between them you've got what i call an altis and Stuart mcmillan called the anchor points which are key positions that every thrower hits so impulse back foot front foot delivery and the bits in between are the connectors so what what you try and do is to uh stabilize the anchor points make sure that you hit them correctly specific to you uh, and then in between becomes more about coordination rhythm uh, for fast bowling that 20 percent comes from the approach so from the run-up so you've got a sprint so fast bowling itself which is my my skill is three zones you've got the approach the impact the delivery so you have a sprinter's training you have a triple jumpers training and you have a javelin jumpers training. So a ja- javelin jumper, javelin throwers training. So that's three Olympic events in one skill. So lying on your back doing bench press or a, a, underneath the squat uh, with heavy load is not going to replicate that. I'm sorry. So that's why uh, you have to look at it as an individual. The technique underpins everything. You you understand uh, the principles principles of motor learning, skill acquisition, yes, ecological dynamics, dynamic systems theory. That's what I adhere to. But 
with a bit of motor programming schema in there as well. It's you have a program. It's just then uh, how you train it with allowing the environment to get you into the right position. So a long answer to your question, technique underpins everything. And when, when you go through those anchor points, can you take us through how you would specifically do that with uh, with relation to fastballing? Like what are the anchor points and how yeah. do you move between them? Cool. Uh, so I'm sure everyone has, has looked at Alex Natera's uh, run-specific ISOs. Uh, and my uh, skill stability paradigm is, is similar. So um, it's the base of it is uh, a yielding isometric. I go that way first. I know Alex does the opposite. So yielding isometric for tissue resilience, holding a position, stabilizing it, um, locking the attractors. And then we go into overcoming, so putting a bit force into it. And then it goes to dynamics or hopping, jumping, uh, and then it goes to ballistic, which is specific. So you go along that tier, holding a position that's uh, fixed. So back foot contact, for example, you hold a back foot contact. There are key things we're looking for, stabilizing the glutes, the ankle, whether it's a knee or an ankle eye. So then you have a bit of movement to it. So it's still not the same movement as uh, fast bowling itself, but throwing a med ball, holding or standing on one leg or brace front leg and throwing a med ball. Then you go into uh, where it comes ballistic and specific then. Then if I'm walking in the gym and if I see a person training, oh yeah, they're, they're a fast bowler. So I, I explained it. Uh, I explained it uh, to a boy I'm coaching today. It's like, so the bottom general prep, on the church speak, is, yeah, I'm an athlete. If I walk in the gym, is an athlete, okay? The, the, then we go up, specific prep and developmental. He's a throwing athlete, okay? The, yeah, so I don't know what skill, but then when you go to competitive exercise, that's a fast bowler. That's a pitcher. So that's how I would explain it going into the gym. I think that's a, a really interesting little summary, actually, to, to move up through that system. Um, when you move up through that system, you've given a couple of exercises. Can you, can you fill that in a little bit for us as to how you might um, go through that with a, a specific individual and how you might program those different layers? Okay. So um, if, I, if I identify a profile as a 10-point profile, if I identify that a fastball collapses on front foot contact, which is one of the... Uh, specific descriptors and it's supported by core contraction uh, around key key joints uh, so brace front leg is important but it's identifying whether whether that person has a hardware or software is it muscle or is it a motor learning is it a habit that i need to unlearn and, uh, and go through the seven ways to manipulate movement which i've written extensively about but then i will just identify that and so they would bowl first, they come into a session, they bowl, always competitive exercise, always bowl, you are a bowler, let's get yourself going. Uh, and then when you come down the tier, I would get them holding the front foot contact position, whether that is an ISO hold, as Alex calls it, so holding Smith's machine two times your body weight in a drop and block, it's like that sort of shape, front leg, back leg bent that way, and you're holding it for one minute, two minutes, keep loading, keep loading. And I, and I keep telling the bowlers, if it, if it becomes easy, then move on. 
you, you don't need to learn that again. It, it's done. So move on to it. Then you do the ice uh, from there, then say I'm doing a session one. I would actually then get them to do uh, a sort of a, a, a split jump. Again, a single leg, power, more force dominant exercise uh, because front, front foot contact is more about extensibility, more about compliance. So it's about time, it's about impulse, whereas back foot contact is more tendon stiffness. So they both have different training intervention. Um, and then to finish off, I would potentially do a, a mid-thigh pull. Uh, I, I'm, I'm big on isometrics. I have been for 20 years when I trained. Uh, Christian Thibodeau designed my program, uh, and I'm a good friend with him now. ISOs have been and will continue to be a big part of, of my program, whether in a skill stability specific or a general, because um, I, have a, I have this theory about uh, compound lifts and the Davis's law and fascia, you know, collagen deposits and uh, and it's sort of causing confusion with the skill itself when it's a full concentric, eccentric, isometric. So that that is something that I uh, I follow and adhere to. I think it's a, a really interesting insight. And before we wrap up, I would love to uh, hear whether you think this can apply to other sports as well, right? So obviously we've looked into to throwing and gone through that whole process to, to identifying and then how you would uh, implement different exercises to adjust technique. But are there other sports that can benefit from this kind yeah. of um, theory and practice as well? Yeah, definitely. So obviously you've got uh, Alex's uh, run specific and he has massive results with that. And uh, he's, he's an exceptional coach. Uh, but then anything. So it's about um, looking at a sport. Okay. And it's difficult when it's a, an open uh, sport, but because for me, it's about bowling in a straight line all the time. Yes, there's, variability and uh but the skill is always the same which is actually one of the uh main reasons it's hard to change and hard to train but um so you identify say for example in a scrum in rugby so you identify what the descriptors for a good scrummager look through the videos look through the archive you identify what the attractors that underpin those descriptors uh and then you, so what I say is you identify, uh, you isolate, you constrain, you overload, you repeat. That is that is a theory that the system that I, I'm a systems guy. I just love to know where I'm going. I love to know where I'm starting, how I'm going to get there. And what I know the speed that someone will get to in three weeks if I follow the dots, join the dots. I think that's an absolutely great endorsement for uh, for looking into more of this if uh, if people are interested. And um, yeah, thank you very very much for your time and effort. It's been a pleasure talking. Pleasure. It's super interesting. I know there's uh, there's about ten things going through my mind at the moment, so uh, it's definitely got me thinking. And I'm sure it has a lot of other people as well. So thank you very much. Pleasure, man. Um, where can people find more about you if uh, if they'd like to? Uh, so my Instagram is I do a lot on Instagram. It's at Stefan Jones one hundred five. That is the main one. I have a Pace Lab Global one as well. Um, but Instagram uh, and LinkedIn, Stefan Jones on Twitter, it's Stefan Jones 105. But Instagram is the big one for me. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you very much for your time and effort. It's been a pleasure talking and I look forward to speaking again soon. Cheers, Matt. Thank you very much. Bye. And that's it once again. A massive thanks to Stefan for all of his hard work in today's podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure you do at home too. 
Before you leave, I want to point you in the direction of our Coach Academy. Now, the Coach Academy is a series of lectures broken down into bite-sized chunks. So if you've enjoyed today's podcast and you want to get some more salt science information, all you have to do is click the link in there to get in completely for free for seven days. And of course, if you have enjoyed today's podcast, it'd be fantastic if you could recommend us to a coach, a colleague, an athlete, or a friend. That means that we can keep bringing the best possible guests and the best possible content. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks from me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next week.